The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Today's show is about women, about women investigators. But before I introduce today's guest, I'm going to talk about two things. First, to recognize Patisse Ati of The Hollywood Reporter for all of her great assistance. And second, to announce a new feature I call a blast from the past moment. This is compliments of PI Museum and researcher and private investigator Russ Andrews. This is going to be fun. So today's blast from the past question is who was the first female licensee, private investigator licensee, in the state of California? If you know the answer, please call in, and if you don't, I'll provide the answer at the end of the show. I'm enthusiastic about this topic this morning, Women Investigators Changing the Face of Asia. Private investigator Sheila Ponasami, coming today from Perth, Australia, has been conducting investigations for over 15 years with a company based in Singapore called Mangard International. She's going to tell us about her cases and her travels in this profession traditionally populated by men. She's going to tell us how she went from getting a degree in business to events and exhibitions management to conducting investigations. Please join me in welcoming Sheila Ponasami. Hello, Sheila. Hello, Francie. Thank you for the introduction. Oh, you're welcome. And so tell us what time it is in Perth. Uh, well, it's 1 a.m. here. 1 a.m., okay. And I'm, it's just a little after 9, 9 a.m. in California. So you're yeah, actually, uh, it's September 7th, and you're part of the world. That's correct, yes. Okay. All right. Well, Sheila, tell us how you became involved in conducting investigations. Well, what happened was when I graduated, um, I started working in the exhibitions and the conference industry. Uh huh. Um, I started my career in Perth, Australia. Um, and my father actually runs a security services firm in Singapore. Yes. And since you know my school days, I've actually. Uh, worked closely with him, you know, at the office doing administration work. Um, and when I decided to move on from the exhibitions and the conference industry, I decided to go back to Singapore. Mm-hmm. And what happened was um, I joined him in the family business um, and started out, you know, doing administration work. 
And at that time, um, he was already involved in investigations work, and I, I started, you know, helping him out in writing reports for his cases, and I got very interested. Um, I remember that one of the cases, I think, that drew my interest was a job that he did in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and I recall staying up the whole night helping him, you know, with his report. And he saw, you know, the passion that I had, um, you know, and the interest that I had, and he decided that, you know, uh, since I had expressed, you know, such keen interest, um, you know, he was happy for me to develop the investigation side of the business. So this was about you know, 15 years ago, and, you know, since then I never looked back, and I love what I do. Well, that's wonderful. And so what, since you're talking about your father, why don't you give, give, him, uh, give us your na- his name? Okay, uh, his name is Pona Kalastri. Okay, Pono Kalastri, um, and he's based in Singapore. He's based in Singapore, yes. Um, he was the president of the Council of International Investigators mm-hmm. in the year 2000. Yeah, I mean, you know, he loves what he does, and, you know, he remains very active in the investigations um, circle. Yes, and he's a, he's a good man. I know him, too. Um, so, Sheila, in where you are, is a license required for a private investigator? In Singapore, yes. Um, in fact, we just started licensing private investigators only about a year ago. Um, you know, so we have to attend mandatory training, and, you know, we, we have to be licensed to practice in Singapore. And what qualifications do you need to become a PI? There's no formal, um, I, I, if you're talking about formal education qualifications, um, like, you know, there, there isn't, I suppose you need to have your basic all levels, which is equivalent to Cambridge. I'm not sure what the equivalent is um, in the States. I, I presume it must be high school. Um, you know, that you must have certain language skills. Um, but there is, like, a mandatory training program that you have to attend. There is a mandatory training. Yeah, license companies, um, the company that you work for has to be licensed in Singapore, and this, you know, um, has, you know, been in existence since 1974, if I'm not mistaken. And the criteria that they give you, you have to be, you know, uh, you must have, you know, law enforcement or, you know, military background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to be, you know, office, officer and above. So... Well, Singapore is actually one of the few countries in Asia that requires licensing for private investigators, and I do know that the other countries in Asia are following suit. I see. And so that that happened, you said, a year ago? Uh, in Singapore, yes, okay. where we have to have mandatory training, and um, every individual that works for a private investigation firm will have to get their own licenses. So we are individually licensed, and the company that we operate for will also have to be licensed. I see. Okay. And, and then what about Australia? How, what are the rules there? Well, in Australia, licensing is for each state. Um, so, you know, again, it, it's very similar to the uh, licensing requirements in Singapore. And, and I believe they have modeled the... Um, the United States is probably at the forefront, so I believe that they have modeled the licensing system based on the United States. I see. And so in Asia, um, are, are most, well, I guess, now, so did you say a requirement was to be military or former police officer? Well, what happens is you will find that in Asia, most private investigators 
are actually former military or former law enforcement um, personnel. Okay. Um, they take this on as a second career, you know, mostly after they have retired. And mm-hmm. I think um, because these, it's a very male-dominated industry um, simply because, you know, of the nature of the business and, you know, the licensing requirements. So um, a lot of former law enforcement and former military personnel become, you know, investigators. Mm-hmm. Once they go into the business, um, coming to, like, you know, women investigators in Asia and how, you know, um, people like myself came about, um, because of the nature of the business, which requires a lot of confidentiality, they get, you know, people whom they trust, mainly, you know, mostly, I guess, would be the wives, mm-hmm. get involved in their business. Um, in my case, it was, you know, my, my mother herself, you know, works closely with my father, but she runs the security services side of the business. I see. So um, when, I, when I decided to join my father in the company, he decided to develop the investigations business as a separate entity. So, um, and I started helping out, you know, first, you know, in administration type work before becoming uh, more involved in the operations, the client development. And, you know, since then, that's, I guess, taken off my career in the area of investigations. And there are not many women in Asia that do that. Say that again? There are not many women in Asia, though, um, you know, that, that join the business. I suppose it's still the perception that investigations is a very male-dominated business. I, I, yes, I think that's true, actually, yeah. worldwide. And I, I think it might be the truth in the States, too. Yeah, it's right. Not sure, yeah. And do you have any idea at all how many women investigators you would say would be in the uh, Asian Pacific area? Well, let's... Um, you know, when I go to networking functions, I suppose you can count us, count the number of us with 10 fingers. So okay. they're not, you know, averaging that many. Um, I would think that in Asia, most investig- like female investigators, you probably, like, you know, you might have, you know, that few in Singapore, mainly their wives of, um, their wives or, or daughters. Um, and it, it would be the same in the Philippines. Um, other than these two countries in Asia, I don't think that there are that many um, female investigators. You might see, you know, more and more, you know, women investigators coming uh, from India because um, they've also, you know, started licensing and they're growing in this area of business. Interesting. So um, talk a little bit about um, investigations in Asia because I'm sure... um, Every country is different, of course, and certainly Asia is going to be much different than what I'm used to in the United States. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, in Asia, I, I suppose people still have the perception that um, investigations is all about surveillance. Um, well, but, you know, this is not, not true because we know that, um, you know, investigations is more than just surveillance, but it's just a perception that... You know, surveillance represents the majority of investigations work. I guess this stands about, um, you know, from you know, people normally come to investigators for domestic issues, um, you know, for adultery type cases and for civil type cases. But we are finding that you know more and more people now understand that are, you know, investigate. And are you talking, Sheila? When you say domestic, are you talking about cheating spouses or? In, investigating somebody's background before marriage or what kinds of 
domestic cases would there be? Well, domestic cases, like, you know, I guess mainly in Asia people, you know, it would be like affairs, um, you know, um, adultery-type cases. Uh-huh. We see um, from India there are a lot of pre... Because in India there are a lot of um, arranged marriages, so we see a lot of pre-matrimonial screening. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's not actually what Maingard does, because Maingard actually specializes in a niche um, where we do a lot of um, corporate-type investigations. So... Most of our clients are actually from the States and uh, Europe, and we do, you know, pre-informed screening work, we do fraud investigations, intellectual property breaches. And do you have um, access to public records where you are? In Singapore, we have, you know, very limited public, you know, records, and and that's the same, you know, for most countries in Asia. In Singapore, all of us carry um, an identity card, so information is only stored according to ID numbers. Um, so if you know, without knowing that uh, an ID number of that person, it would be very difficult for you to get hold of information. I see. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, that's the voice of Sheila Ponasami. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Sheila Ponasami is with me today from Perth, Australia. Sheila, you were saying you were talking about investigations in Asia, and uh, is it true that uh, most companies in Asia would really be security companies and not investigation companies? That, that's correct. Most um, companies in Asia actually operate as a security services firm, and investigations is a sideline business. I there see. are very few firms like us that operate completely just as, you know, an investigations firm. Interesting. And the securities business would be um, like security guards? That is correct. People yes. that Providing do Providing manpower protection? services to facilities. I'm sorry, say it again? Providing manpower services to facilities to protect factories, okay. buildings. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's probably a big part of your father's business, I suspect, isn't it? Well, well we actually have two separate companies, a security services company, mm-hmm. and we, have, we also have a separate investigations firm. So what happened was when I joined the company, um, and because of my interest in you know, the area, this area of business, we decided to actually um, split you know, the, the companies into two. So we have a security services firm and we have an investigations firm. And you truly are changing the face of Asia. Sorry, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, well, Sheila, you recently won an award for your work on an international kidnapping case. Would you yeah. tell us about that? Sure. How that came about is I'm a member of the Council of International Investigators, uh-huh. and one of our members, Jay Group from American Investigative Services, he has been working um, with... Another investigator, her name is Deborah Van Ruyen. She's from, um, she has her own business, which is called um, Earth Certain Justice, that specializes in looking for, you know, uh, people that have gone missing. This particular case, um, she has worked on. Um, it's a very sad story. Um, it's about a lady who was in a mental facility in France. This lady has dual citizenship. She's both a French and a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, and eight, about eight years ago, or well, about ten years ago now, she went missing. It was believed that she was kidnapped um, by an Egyptian man. And um, Deborah found that she had, you know, um, you know, run. She had run away from France and. This Egyptian man had taken her, you know, all over the world, you know, to you know the Middle East countries, Egypt and Jordan. Let me so, ask. 
let, let me ask you, was she kidnapped from the United States or from France? Uh, no, from France. From, from France. France, okay. She lives in France, yes. Um, apparently, the, the, the family was originally from New Orleans and they moved to France, so um, this lady, the subject, um, was in France at that time, and you know, she, she had some issues you know, in her life, and she was hospitalized in a mental hospital. Uh-huh. So um, we had no idea why she was being kidnapped. Um, initially, it was thought that, you know, she and this Egyptian man could have been lovers. Um, later, there was, um, you know, it moved into the direction that he could have been a human trafficker. Anyway, um, by the time the investigations came to us, um, it was because Deborah approached us because um, they believed that the subject and the Egyptian man have, you know, um, run away to Malaysia. Uh-huh. So, you know, that's our territory, and that's why she um, contacted us and asked if we could help her, you know, locate them. And All is... we had was a cell phone number to work with. Okay, only and... a cell phone number. Yeah, only a cell phone number. Well, um, and so of course, you know, um, uh, when I started on the case, it was, you know, very limited, and, you know, by then the family had absolutely no money because she had spent eight years. It was a story of hope, you know, mother's love. She never gave up. And for eight years, you know, they had invested so much into, you know, trying to find, you know, their daughter. So by the time it came to us, you know, there was not much money, um, you know, and all they had was a cell phone number in the, in, in the Malaysia. And fortunately, I was able to trace, you know, the location of the person that owned the cell phone number. And... From there, we, you know, had to go on the ground and visit it, you know. Um, it, it was actually, we were traced it to a red light district in Malaysia. Uh-huh. And when you, and, you when know, we had to, earlier when you talked about human trafficking, you're talking about uh, selling people into prostitution. That is correct, yes. Okay. Um, that is what we believe. We do not know uh, this for certain, but we believe that, you know, it is possible because, you know, there was no reason why... Um, he, she never made contact, you know, with the family until, until about eight years later, which is why we got the cell phone number from Malaysia, because she had then contacted her mother asking for money. I see. And for them to admit. So that's how we got hold of the cell phone number. And that, so, was another um, red, that was another red flag for the family, wasn't it, when she calls asking yeah, for money? Yeah, of course, of course. But, I mean, at least they know that she's alive. Um, you know, and that was the biggest concern, and that was where all the excitement factor was. Um, you know, so we contacted the U.S. Embassy and, you know, the French Embassy. The French and the U.S. have very different laws. So um, the, French, the French Embassy would, you know, want to extradite her back to France, and, you know, she would probably be locked up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the U.S. Um, you know, sees her as an individual who makes their own choices, you know, and basically they are not able to do anything to, um, you know, re- to force her to return to the U.S. So it, it has to be out of her own free will. So, um, anyway, we traced her to um, Malaysia and, you know, uh, we were able to see that, you know, she was she, she, when, we, when we found her, she wasn't very well. She was emotionally very, very unstable. Um, Did you actually make contact with her directly? Uh, we actually saw her. I mean, like we actually had to monitor her from a distance. We were I not see. able to make contact with her directly because she gets very um, aggressive. I see. Mm. But all we could do was tell her mother. Her mother was afraid that she was, you know, um, not eating properly. She was malnutritioned and whatnot. But 
when you look, when you saw her, she was fine. She was, you know, in in. She appeared to be in good health, but she was very emotionally unstable, yeah. and she's extremely, you know, suspicious of people. And she she's a mentally very unwell person. So finally, um, you know, so we had to like I think it was over a period of year we had to um, we had to convince the Egyptian man to release her. This was um, through emails and you know because we had you know we had to um, try to convince her to return and you know use a lot of persuasion to you know to to get her to come back you know through phone calls you know when she did call. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mainly through emails because contact with her was very limited when she started making contact with um, her family. And when um, you were at, in the red light district, when you found her in the red light district with this Egyptian man, um, did did he find out that you were looking for her? No, he didn't. I mean, he didn't know that he was being watched. Um, he didn't, you know, all, all he knew was, you know, um, he wanted money. I mean, she was asking for money. Um, you know, and he was not aware that he was being monitored at all. Later, what happened was um, he actually moved locations from the city area into a fishing village uh-huh. in Malaysia called Kuantan. Um, Kuantan? And, yeah, Kuantan. It's just a little fishing village, um, okay. you know, away from the from the city area. Um, and then, you know, she we, we lost contact with them for a while. Um, again, we had to then, you know, trace them again, you know, uh, through the cell phone and, you know, through the records, you know, that... She had finally actually overstayed in Malaysia, and that so, was for her visa. Is that yeah for her visa? Because okay. uh, she, I, I believe she would be on an. I, I don't know. She would have entered. They're not actually quite. I think she believe. I believe she entered using maybe her French passport or you know her American passport. But anyway, I, I can't recall the exact details. But I know that she would have overstayed the visa. So it was a tough call because um, we could report her to the Malaysian authorities. Um, and what would have happened is, you know, she would then be arrested and, you know, be detained in Malaysian prison. Sure. So, um, number one, you know, if you're getting the Malaysian police, it would be a lot of bureaucracy involved and, you know, they're not sure whether we wanted her in a Malaysian prison or to let her, you know, um, be free and to make a choice to return to the state. And Fortunately... The- this is actually an ongoing case still, is that correct? It's actually an ongoing case because um, how, how it ended was um, she actually, what happened was uh, we believed that he put her back on the flight to the United States. And she's now being detained in the United States, not because uh, she created a scene at you know, immigration when she arrived. Uh-huh. We had no details. All we know was we got a note from him to say that, you know, he's put her back on the flight, you know, to the States. Um so we didn't know when, we didn't know how, but you know, fortunately for us, uh, she created the scene. So now she's been she's been detained in a mental facility in the United States. It's an ongoing case because the Egyptian man who kidnapped her is still at large. Um, we do not know where he is. It is possible that he will try to find her again. Um, we do not know why he wanted her and why he stayed with her, you know, for the last ten years. We do know that um, he has, you know, a family. Um, we believe that it is not a situation where he is in love with her. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, I mean, they obviously have an emotional bond, um, you know, from our observations. 
You, and you determined he treated, he treated her well? He treated, well, I mean, she's well fed. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's not starving. Um, we do not know what he would have done with her because when we found her in Malaysia, she was living in a weight like district. But then again, um, you know, that's where the cheapest accommodation would be. Um, it is highly possible that, you know, she would have made use of her, mm-hmm. um, you know, to finance because there was absolutely no reason for him to be with her all this time. So. Well, you're describing a very complex situation, Sheila. It sounded... It's a very complex situation and, a, you know, a very sad story. Um, but, you know, at least we know that she's safe. Um, at least the mother knows that the daughter is now safe in a facility in um, the state. And hopefully, um, you know, she... It's a long way to recovery for her. She has the Stockholm Syndrome because... Um, you know, it, it seems apparent that she, she has, you know, grown to, you know, very attached to this man. Uh-huh. And, and do you stay in contact with her mother? Um, I did. Um, at one stage, her mother is a very old lady, but um, I have not over the last, you know, um, year or so after, like, you know, she has been found. Um, I, I suppose, like, it's just too hard on the family. Um, and it, it's... It's a very emotional case because I think the mother needed, you know, um, constant, like, reassurance. So it was extremely, um, and they, what, they, the family actually broke up in the process of, you know, over the last 10 years. There was a lot of um, issues between the subject's son, the subject's sister, the subject's family. Let's talk a little bit more about this after the break. Sheila, are you interested in women conducting investigations? Stay tuned. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1-800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. 
step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Private investigator Sheila Ponasami is talking about overcoming some obstacles in pursuing her cases. We were just talking about a case that she thought was um, possible human trafficking, a kidnapping from France that she followed and was able to at least um, get a fair result for the family. Um, And now this woman is unfortunately in a mental facility in the United States, but at least she's not in the red light district of someplace in Malaysia or in some fishing village um, being sold for her services. Uh, Sheila, you, from what I understand, you and your firm accepted this case without a fee. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Um, the family, you know, has has exhausted all the financial resources after looking for the subject for the last, you know, eight years. So they have absolutely no money. The mother is a sickly, eighty-year-old woman who didn't give up hope that you know her daughter will be found one day. Mm-hmm. So I'm really happy that, you know, um, you know, her daughter is alive and I guess as well as she can be. And she knew and she knew at least her daughter was safe at, at, at the end of her life. Her daughter is alive. Yeah. 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 That's that's excellent. And thank you so much for um for doing that kind of work and representing private investigators worldwide and mm-hmm. taking something that's as, as important as that is. Well, I'm so glad you can make a difference, and I, I, I think that's, you know, a lot of, you know, I guess what we do as investigators that, um, you know, people, you know, are not so aware of, um, you know, and, people's public, you know. Yeah, and also knowing the teamwork that you displayed with uh, Jay Grube and Deborah. Um, yeah. Let's see, they're both based in Boston, is that right? That is correct, yes, Deborah. Um, ben Williams is based in Boston, and so is Jay Group from okay. American Investigative Services. So the three of you, really, uh, one person handed it off to another who handed it off to you, and you were able to bring it to fruition. That's fabulous teamwork. Yeah, that's uh, teamwork. Well, tell us a little bit about um, what you see the benefits of being a woman in the investigation field. 
Well, I think it's... Um, um, I, I would like to think that we are an asset to complement you know, the work of many investigation fields simply because of you know, the characteristics that we have as women. Um, I, I believe that most, um, I guess most women, we have this innate nature um, you know, where we care for our clients. We tend to nurture, so we tend to treat you know, all the work that comes to us you know, as our project, as our little babies. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that we see it through. So um, we, we actually do care for our clients, um, you know, and, and the cases that we work on. Um, Not to say that we, men don't care. Sorry. Not to say that men don't care for their cases. Oh no, no, of course, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure they do. I, I suppose men and women work, you know, differently. Um, and there's, there's certain skills that men have that you know we women um, probably lack, um, and there's certain skills which I believe that you know we women have that complement the work of men. Mm-hmm. Um, to give you an example, for instance, um, people I believe tend to be more receptive, you know, um, especially with field work. Um, people tend to be more receptive to a woman. Um, I, I've worked on cases where my colleagues, you know, have tried to enter, you know, the premises of a secure facility, and they have trouble accessing it because the security guard just, you know, um, didn't allow in. them through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I go down with my other female colleagues, um, you know, they, the security guards are a little bit more lax. And, you know, I've actually, you know, heard the security guard telling this, the, the person that we wanted to meet on the phone to say, you know, can you, can you please ask him to come, come, come down because she doesn't look like she's going to rob him. I see. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, you know, perception things, you know, that women, you know, are safe, women, I know, tend to be more innocent. And I think people also tend to open up more to, to women, like when we do door knocks and we appear in front of somebody's house, uh-huh. um, you know, and ask for a particular person. Um, I think people tend to feel safer to disclose information to a woman. They're less suspicious, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, and they, they tend to, to respond to, you know, to, to your questions. If a man were to ask, you know, a question, say, you know, to another woman, she she might, you know, feel very uncomfortable. And I'm not sure, like, you know, whether, um, you know, it's the same in the States, but perhaps it's also got to do with the Asian culture. Um, yeah. You know, where, you know, um, a woman feels more comfortable talking to another woman, you know, as opposed to a male stranger. And I guess men, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter which part of the world, they do tend to respond well to, to women, you know. Right. So do you find that um, you would be invited into someone's home where a, a, a man in your position would never be? Uh, yes, I, I do find that, um, you know, not, not just for, like, you know, um, knocking on someone's house, but even for um, corporate cases. You know, I've, I've been to, um, you know, uh, corporations where, you know, we have to, like, walk in, um, you know, without an appointment because it's, you know, um, a difficult, like, a hostile interview. Uh-huh. Um, and there is no way, like, you know, they're going to give us an appointment. But, of course, like, you know, um, when we go along and I'm a woman on the phone and he goes, look, you don't have an appointment, you can't meet with us. And, you know, after much persuasion, he is agreeable to meet with me simply because I think, you know, I, I'm a woman and I found 
safe and I found a flight. Now, I'm not about to um, harm him. Uh-huh. So, you know, whereas, like, you know, if a man had called up, the answer would definitely be a no. I see. Yeah, and, and, and you know, they, I mean, and I suppose, um, you know, that's why they, they come to us, because... Um, I I think that experience is probably worldwide. Mm-hmm. We experience a similar situation here, even though, and we have you know many of the same cultural issues uh, with so many different uh, people from other countries other than the United States living in the United States. Yes, that's true, and um, and I guess um, women also um, we. In the, in, I think in, in investigations, you need to have passion and you need to have the aptitude. So, um, if you know, you're self-motivated. Um, and I, I think a lot of women tend to, to be self-motivated. I'm sure, you know, so, so, so men, but... Mm-hmm. Um, well, what, what would you say... I'm sorry, Sheila. What would you say to... Um, a woman who's listening today that might be interested in getting into the investigation field, what, what, what kind of advice would you give her? I would say give it a shot. I mean, you never know where your skills lie. Um, if for investigations, it, it's not um, you know, something that you can actually learn from school. You can attend courses, but if you are on the ground, and basically investigations, um, when you work on um, investigations, it involves like research skills, it involves um, you know, doing a lot of groundwork, you know, to obtain information and evidence that you want. You you need to feel comfortable in that role, and it's an aptitude. So it's either you, you feel comfortable doing it, or or you're not, and you will know, you know, when when you try it out. So if mm-hmm. you you have if you have an interest, you are already halfway there, I would say. Correct. Well, you had a, a case in Singapore that it sounds like you were the perfect person to handle this case. You want to talk about that? This is where um, you were booked uh, on a room on the club floor. Oh, okay. Uh, right, okay. The, um, the, uh, I think I did mention to you, um, this was um, a while back, actually. The subject is actually a high-profile executive, and um, his company wanted to know, um, you know, just what he does when he is in Singapore. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I guess being being you know a woman, um, they they felt you know uh, comfortable for me to like be there because he was staying I think at an yeah he was staying at an executive floor of the Hilton Hotel, so we needed to access you know the floor. So I, I had see. to do you know um, the room under my name because it was difficult for you know, the men to be booking the rooms under their name, you know without. It would be strange for you know to have a bunch of men walking around. Um, with, uh, people tend to suspect more men a lot more than women do. So um, you know, I had this nice room. I, I recall my uh, friend had just come you know to visit me, and I, I told her, "Look, you're going to stay in a hotel and you know, drag her along." She had no idea what was happening, but uh-huh. she was very happy. <laughs> and I had this bunch of men. I think I had like five different guys walking in and out of the room at different times because it was like a constant monitoring. <laughs> so we had like you know men changing shifts, and we had to follow the you know this this um, subject. He 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 wasn't um, I guess behaving himself. He was going to um, you know the nightclubs and the bars and you know um, these places where you know you pick up you know prostitutes, 
And so um, it was difficult for our guys to go into these nightclubs without having women, um, you know, approaching them. Right. So what they do is, um, you know, every time a woman approaches them, they drag this ghost to me, and I, like, you know, shake hands and introduce myself. <laughs> and after a while, these women, you know, feel really uncomfortable having another woman there. Right. Um, you know, and, and then they just, you know, move off. So they, you know, I guess they needed to us, you know, we women to be used as, you know, a distraction factor, you know, so that they can concentrate on their work. Well, that's a perfect example. There were a lot example. of attractive girls, as you can imagine. Right. That's a perfect example of a, you know, because a, another male could not have been that distraction. Oh, no, yeah, they would be very distracted, I'm sure. <laughs> and they would they be distracted. They right. on themselves and... <laughs> <laughs> that's a great that's a great story. Uh did your friend ever know what you were doing? Oh yeah, she she did. I mean like you know, she knew like I was doing investigations. Like she had no idea why we were but she was happy. I mean she was staying, you know, like in the room with me. I mean like you know, sure she had like you know, she was wondering like all oh, my colleagues I had to tell her like, you know, we were on a job. So, you know, she just, you know, has to come with me and just enjoy herself. Okay. <laughs> More to come in a moment. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, Radio to Thrive By.
talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Sheila Ponasami is a woman investigator who is truly changing the face of Asia. Sheila, do people ask you if you're like the private investigators in the movies? Well, I think um, generally the public you know, perception of what investigators do, most of us, I think, think of us, we watch um, Magnum P.I., and most of us think that investigators go around, you know, using, sure. you know, guns and, you know, um, doing, you know, exciting, sensational-type cases. Um, so, I mean, I guess... In a lot of ways, I mean, our lives, you know, we, we do work on very interesting cases. Sometimes, you know, it's very much, you know, like what you see in the movies. It, it can be that way. I mean, the majority of our cases can also be quite mundane. And it's just, you know, mm-hmm. a background screening for compliance-type cases. But, um, you know, a lot of people ask me that. But I can say that, you know, no, I don't. I can't run in my stilettos, and I will not be <laughs> able to, you know, from you know one building to another. You don't do that. No, and I can't do karate chops in the air. Sure, I might know a little bit of martial arts, but you know, definitely nothing that sensational. And you know, I guess the most important thing is um, that when people ask me what is it that I do, I tend not to say that I'm an investigator because it's just too hard. You know, most people don't even know what an investigator does. So I say I do a lot of research work for law firms, insurance companies, um, you know, corporations, mm-hmm. you know, to to run, you know, background checks and to make sure that everything is in order before joint ventures, which, you know, summarizes what I do. And you know, right. then they go, are you a lawyer? And I can say, no, 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 I'm not a lawyer. But what we do is we help, you know, the lawyers get evidence. And, you know, if they watch you know, TV and, you know, how the lawyers, you know, get the evidence to to, um, you know, go to trial, I guess that's a lot of what investigators do because someone has to help these lawyers get the evidence that they require. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. very true. Many investigators worldwide work for attorneys in various mm-hmm. capacities. Mm-hmm. So that's what I guess I tell all, you know, like, you know, um, women who, you know, express interest, I would say, like, you know, um, we can come from any background, and in fact, any experience that we have is always useful. You can be a housewife, you can be a graduate, you, know, you can be a nurse, you can be a lawyer, an accountant, a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, your skills is, are not wasted, um, you know, and if you have a keen interest in the area of investigation, you, know, you should even you know, give it a shot. Absolutely. I agree with you. Do, do you get asked if you carry a weapon? Um, People do ask, um, but in Singapore, I mean, you know, basically we 
we, we don't carry arms, you know, like it's not licensed. We mm-hmm. don't have an arms license in, in Singapore. I, I know it's not like that in the States. Um, but in generally, in most countries in Actually, Asia, some, some states it is. Some states oh, you okay. can't. Yeah, yeah, you have to be licensed yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, this has been delightful, Sheila. Um, it's time for us to give the answer to our blast from the past moment. And this is uh, about the first woman who to hold a private investigator's license in California. Her name was Mrs., and yes, it was listed as Mrs., Marie E. Furman, F-I-R-M-A-N, and it was called Marie E. Furman Detective Service. Her license number was 38. And she, for the people that uh, are listening in that are in the Los Angeles area, she was located in the American Bank Building. I don't even know whether that still exists or not. She was listed in, located in the American Bank Building, listed as number 208 to 212. Her telephone number, which is fun, is, was 13465. So there's probably some folks that are listening today that uh, might even remember a number in Los Angeles like 13465. So, uh, Sheila, it's just been a pleasure having you on the show. If you want to know more about Sheila or how to contact her, go to PISDeclassified.com under the topic Women Investigators Changing the Face of Asia. Thank thank you, Fancy. It was a pleasure being on your show, and I'm deeply honored. Thank you very much. Oh, you're quite welcome. And uh, by now it's almost 2 a.m. I know you're going to want to get some sleep, but uh, I'd just like to... uh, uh, talk to you just a f- couple minutes further here and uh, talk about our featured sponsor is PI Magazine. PI Magazine is a, a trade magazine, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Sheila, I, I know you're familiar with PI Magazine, too, as well, right? Yes, I am. I am. It's a wonderful publication. So I would say, wouldn't you, that even if you're not a private investigator, that you would find this an interesting read, wouldn't you say that? I, I would, I would. I think it's very, um, you know, comparable. I was just about to say, like, you know, in Australia we have, you know, the Women's Day, um, um, you know, and a new idea, and I, I think it's, you know, um, it, it's not tabloid, but it's it's factual, but it's very informative, very interesting, because, you know, there's still, there are stories that, you know, we have, you know, investigators, you know, always interesting. Yeah, and it, and since we're featuring women today, it is... PI Magazine is co-owned by Jimmy and Rosemary Messis. Uh, Rosemary, another woman in the business. And the details about PI Magazine can be found at www.pimagazine.com if anybody is interested in some kind of a subscription to that magazine. I think you'd find it interesting as well as somewhat entertaining. If you're interested in supporting this program, contact my producer, Donnie Cabrera, through voiceamerica.com. This show and all prior shows are archived and can be downloaded on either iTunes or MP3. Uh, Next week's show, we're going to be discussing the danger of people who conduct investigations without a license and three people who have been right in the midst of fighting this ugly practice of unlicensed activities. California Bureau of Investigative Service Deputy Chief Connie Trujillo and Private Investigators Justin Hudson and Lori Johnson. So tune in as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. Thank you again, Sheila. 
It's CIC Classified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.